I've been wanting to start a podcast for a few years now. When I say I want something, there's this immediate sense that I'm being selfish, and with this comes a certain feeling of guilt. And then begins this inner dialogue about whether or not what I want is in fact something worthy of me pursuing, which, on another note, is also just the perfectionist in me, which then brings on this paralyzing self-doubt, and then I end up often abandoning my wants. And that's pretty much the story of why it's taking me this long to make this podcast come to life. I think as adults, and particularly as Christians, we become really good at talking ourselves out of our wants. Even though we may have become good at this, we're nevertheless people who have wants, and ultimately desires are what we act on, for better or for worse. This is Life as He Reveals, where we unpack the Christian faith beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Cherise Lee, And I'm so thankful for you taking this journey with me as we look at this idea of wanting. In this episode, we discuss how want plays out in the life of a Christian and ultimately turn to the Bible to instruct us on how to properly deal with our wants. The message we get from the world around us seems to be that there's plenty we don't have and the fulfillment of our wants is in fact Part of the American dream. And then we read the Bible and we see verses like Luke 9.23 that we're to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. So is there even a place in the Christian life for our wants? Does God care about what we want? Can we trust God with our wants? actually feel embarrassed to say that I feel like I don't have a problem wanting things. Amy Lee is an SF native. Her Instagram account, at Rooted in Green Love, has over 19,000 followers. On Amy's blog, she writes, For as long as I can remember, I've been a dreamer, but not always for the right reasons. I wanted to talk to Amy about how want and desire play out for her as a Christian. Maybe my my want of of building a social media platform that started out as just wanting to share my love of plants with people. But then as it grew, then I wanted it to grow more and I wanted to be able to reach more people. And I think because I never took time to reflect on where that want was coming from when I finally did, and it was pretty far along the process, then I found that I didn't really have a reason to want it. And I found myself then in a place like now that I have it, I don't know what to do with it. And now I'm just trying to make it meaningful Mm. because it just feels meaningless Mm -hmm. so it's want just seems like a very tricky thing because so often I feel that what I want is not is not what I need or wanting it in the wrong way leads me to feeling meaningless about what I wanted Mm -hmm. 
But then, I don't think that one is bad, and I feel like that's God's grace in how he, he allowed me to accomplish what I did um, through my wants. And, and now I have the opportunity, now that I've reflected on it, to make it more meaningful and to consider him but I am apologetic that I did not I did not consider him initially I guess specifically in your experience of wanting to start this your Instagram and you know your blog Mm -hmm. do you feel as if by wanting to do this and and your observation of just church and other Christians around you that there are other Christians who are equally wanting things, or do you feel like, am I the only one mm. who wants, who has these wants? Sometimes I, I do feel like I could be looked at by other Christians as just being too worldly for wanting certain things, especially if it's related to social media. <laughs> um, and they wouldn't necessarily be wrong. <laughs> and I think that's a tension that I'm always struggling with because I don't want to be to be worldly. But it's it is hard. As a Christian with wants, it is it is easy to feel guilty when the ones aren't directly related to God's kingdom in some ways. Yeah. The building up of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. It, it feels selfish. In yes. Way. It really is all the more important to consider how God can shape my desires because of that or to give him room to shape my desires because otherwise I think I will end up in a more worldly state of mind. Like I am really messed up and far from God, but he's still going to redeem it somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's, even though, yeah, maybe I've wasted so much of my time or I've wasted my my gifts in some ways but he's accounted for it Mm -hmm. in his in his will and in his plan and there's a lot of comfort in that I mean I think honestly I don't know what God wants me to do with my platform or I don't it feels meaningless sometimes because I never ask or I never take time. If I ask, I never take time to be in the Word and to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think I get intimidated by the idea of not knowing how to know. <laughs> not knowing how to know what God wants me to do or what he wants me to do and how he wants me to use my platform even in a bad want and a bad desire Mm -hmm. 
that uh, God is still able to, yeah, through, you know, just his great love, you know, for us, like, redeem that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was God's grace to allow me to feel that what I was doing was meaningless. Mm. He finds a way to turn yeah. <laughs> all of our broken desires and he redeems them to be mm-hmm. something good. The first practical step would be to acknowledge that there can be good that comes out of mm. your desires. Mm. It can be strange as a Christian to admit our wants but I'm grateful for Amy's honesty to share how she deals with want in her life, particularly for something like a social media following on Instagram. We can feel her tension as she says her want could be perceived as worldly or selfish, and she doesn't necessarily trust herself to want things in the right way. But there is something in her act of surrender that demonstrates faith. If we can't trust ourselves for what we want, We need to trust God, who is ultimately trustworthy, to be able to help us with our wants. There are some very good God-given wants that fuel us and fuel humanity and give us vision. Bronwyn Lee is another Lee, but spelled L-E-A from South Africa, who now calls Northern California home. She's an author, speaker, and mom of three. You can follow her on her blog, bronlee.com. I'm turning to Bronwyn to get a better understanding of a Christian sense of want. So full disclosure that this was among my very first phone interviews with less knowledge than I do now of recording, but you'll hear me jump in at key moments along the way to summarize Bronwyn's thoughts. I think, I think we're born wanting things. You know, it's like toddlers and babies, they want things, right? The outrageous cries are attuned to things that we need and want, and the, the language of toddlers and preschoolers is I want and it's mine, um, and we tend to down pretty quickly to <laughs> these children to share and to, to be nice and to wait their turn. Um, and part of that is just being socialized and learning not to be a selfish not right to like you. <laughs> we, we, we want, uh, we want, where is it again? Shouldn't be there, and um, 
would like to feel better in that decision making. In my conversation earlier with Amy, it was clear that she was wrestling with whether her wants were rightfully had. And with me, it's the same with wanting to start this podcast. I asked Bronwyn about what she has said, that what we want is actually at the heart of Christian discipleship, and that if we don't pay attention to our wants, we're going to have a hard time being honest disciples. To say that what we want is at the heart of Christian discipleship is quite hard for me to reconcile, knowing that I often question having any sort of wants at all. Because the greatest commandments have to do with volition and emotion and passion, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting contrast from the very cerebral model of discipleship that we have in- inherited in the post-discipleship world. Because I grew up like this, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up with, um, you know, like chicken down economics. I grew up with trickle-down education. That's if you just know the right theology and you think the right thing, it will trickle down into your heart and your behavior and all things will become right. Mm-hmm. But that's fundamentally not true. We have lots of educated people making bad choices. And at a very personal level, I am an educated person who knows that I shouldn't eat an entire cream cheese cake, and I do. Even though I know better, you know, there's something about the fact that ultimately we do what we want to do, even if we know better. And so... But like all the things we've said about this, about the longings of the heart, and it came to, um, it really came to a conference for me in reading James um, Smith, You Are What You Know, that we are, we are people who do what we want to do, regardless of what we think. And, and education about life and knowledge of the scriptures inform our love and they deepen our love, mm-hmm. but they're not a replacement for our love. And so I think even Jesus confessed it to that. You know, he says to the Pharisees and John Pilate, if you know the scriptures, but do you know me? Mm-hmm. It's the love of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, it's the love of Christ that needs to compel us and love for other people that needs to move us. Not just the knowledge of a good idea and we ultimately don't know the others. For me, as an educator, hearing that knowledge is not enough to transform us is sobering. I mean, I live in the Bay Area, one of the largest economies in the world, with a high concentration of intelligence and success. It's pretty much a given that you're well-educated. To hear that my growth as a Christian is about ordering my loves and thereby my desires is a challenging one. As Christians, we often avoid feeling the tension of our wants by moving to one of the extremes. That is, on one end, we don't want the guilt or shame of knowing our wants are disordered. So we do what we want and disregard what the Bible and God has to say. We think this is a way to gain our freedom. Or, on the other end, we refrain from any of our wants so as to play it safe. I asked Bronwyn, how do we live with faith and be okay with the in-between and not go to the extremes of either indulging all of our wants or ignoring them altogether? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> That's a tricky question. Because we are such yeah. all or nothing people. We're, we're all yeah. kind of like, oh, I must do all of the things that I want to do, and it doesn't matter, and I will just run into the crevice who all we're, you know, behaves like God wants us to be puppets and yeah. organizations, and I'll just do what you want, and I'll be a robot in your life. Yeah, the work of discipleship, I think, has to do with us learning to be really honest about everything that 
and we bring to God open hands, shutting up in discipleship, shutting up in prayer, and saying, God, here I am. Um, here are my sins, here are my faults, here are my longings. All my longings are laid before you, oh God, says the psalmist. My desires are all known to you. Um, I, I think everything was mixed motives, Jesus. You know, like there's this shelter, a homeless shelter that I want to look at. That's a good thing, but I also know that people will think I'm being really noble, and I kind of like that. Like, I have these mixed motives. <laughs> I, I would like to do well in my job, because it would be great to have a good salary, but I also want to serve you with the talents that I've got. Like, we have, we, we try and name these things in prayer as much. And, and what has been really helpful for me in thinking about this is realizing that God wants to redeem and restore my desires, not to remove them. Mm-hmm. And so to say to the Lord, okay, it's not that I have all desire or no desire. It's that I want you in your presence in partnership with your spirit have those shapes to be mm-hmm. more more what you want them to do. So that they're mine, but that they've been molded and tuned and pointed I feel a bit of relief to hear this from Bronwyn, that God is not about removing our desires, but restoring them. If I'm honest with myself, then yes, I often don't want the right things. And sometimes the want is not there for what I know is good for me, reading God's word, praying, being in community with other Christians. And some Christians would say that unless they feel that desire, they shouldn't do them because it would seem inauthentic to what they actually want. Oh, that sounds like my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation we have with our children all the time, and that is that we do a whole bunch of things we don't want to do, mm-hmm. maybe in the moment. But there is a process of learning that we want the fruits of those things, we want the outcomes, we want the benefits. Um, and so we do them despite the momentary inconveniences because ultimately my children do want an education, even if they don't want to go to school this morning. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be the only kids that never went to school and didn't learn how to read and couldn't learn how to be fully functional adults. So part of that is just putting wants, like framing our wants beyond the next 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and teaching ourselves to learn about longer term desires. Because I feel okay about exercise. I never want to go to exercise class because it hurts. Mm-hmm. But I'm but I want to be a stronger person who doesn't hurt in my body and so that wants trumps that I don't feel like getting that space right now. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think that that's where um the word the language of habits is so helpful is that habits can help us grow our love. This mm-hmm. is what Jeff is talking about in you all what you love. Like the habits of going to here's this example of like a baseball game. Um, you go and there's something about this being something you do with your family every summer and there's the routine and everybody wears the shirts and you sing the same song and the habit of doing it is actually trains you to long for it. It it cultivates like, oh I can't wait until the next time. And there's something about the Christian life where if we get in the habit of doing something, it teaches us to long for it. You mm-hmm. might not feel like going to church on a Sunday morning, but then you go and you saw someone you didn't, hadn't seen for a while and they encouraged you. And there's something in the sermon that reminded you that God loves you after all. And it actually felt kind of good to sing. 
And you leave and you think, huh, I actually want to go next time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a longer term want that is curated by our discipline. I love how that was phrased. There's a longer term want that's curated by our discipline. St. Augustine, the early church father, has said, The entire life of a good Christian is in fact an exercise of holy desire. You do not yet see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you, so that when he comes you may see and be utterly satisfied. The wanting I do now prepares me for Christ's return when all my desires find their ultimate satisfaction. These earthly longings usher in a reality that one day will see me without any more wants. My days of wanting will be over. Until then, my wants serve to remind me of a fulfillment that will be far more wonderful than I know now. We've heard from Amy about how it's easy to question our wants as Christians. We're suspicious of them because we don't know if we're wanting the right things. Bronwyn helped us to see that God wants to redeem and restore our wants, not to remove them. Is there a place in the Christian life for our wants? Absolutely. In fact, being honest with our wants before God is central to how I grow as a Christian. The greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, souls, and mind is all about directing our wants and desires in the right way. It's time now in our podcast to look at scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Here in the very first book of the Bible, we see the reason for why we should mistrust our wants. Our wants are corrupted because of sin and the fall. Adam and Eve had no reason to desire anything more than all that God had given them. But when Satan questioned if God truly had their best in mind, a wrong desire resulted, which led to the introduction of sin into the human race. As a result of acting on this wrongful desire, everything turns upside down. Unless we acknowledge that sin has corrupted our wants, we will think too highly of our desires and not see the need for our rescue. In Romans 7, 15-20, the Apostle Paul writes, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
In these verses, the Apostle Paul is being very real about what sin does to our desires. We don't do what we want to do, and these are the mixed motives that Bronwyn earlier was referring to. Sin messes with our desires. If it messed with the Apostle Paul, certainly it messes with me. A few verses later in Romans 7, 24-25, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Continuing on to the next chapter, Romans 8, 1-2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This freedom in Christ from our sin is such good news. Jesus Christ gives us rescue from our sinful selves. Yes, the flesh that we live in at present is still sinful, and the tension will remain with us until sin is finally dealt with and Satan is ultimately destroyed. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, meaning we're no longer bound to it with its passions and desires. 2 Corinthians 5, 4-5 For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Here we read more good news. We have the Holy Spirit as our guarantee that one day we will be made right. Not only is the Holy Spirit our guarantee, He is the one to help us to live godly lives now in the present. Galatians 5, 16-18 tells us, But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what do we do about want in our day-to-day lives? Let's speak practically to what this can look like. Well, first, it means that we need to pay attention to what our wants are. We need to become aware of them and not just dismiss them. Certainly, some of those wants will be good and others not so much. And when we find ourselves with too many wants that go against how God has called us to live, we need to examine more what's forming our wants. It's our habits that transform us, more so than just knowledge alone, as Bronwyn reminded us. We need the habit of prayer. As I make known to God the deep longings of my heart, I'm saying I trust God with my wants and He will deal with them. That's faith. We also need the habit of Christian community. I have this problem of letting things spiral when I dwell alone with the tensions of my flesh. This can be entirely unhealthy. Being with other Christians, even as introverted as I am, identifying a small group of others helps me get out of my head and check my wants. 
I admit that I often don't tell others what I want because I'm embarrassed. We need to lose that feeling of shame and recognize that we are creatures who are made to want. And together, as we work out as Christians how to desire God more than all else, we need the encouragement of each other. And to be reminded that want is not necessarily a bad thing. As we learned, our want points us to a greater fulfillment in eternity. Also, as we worship with others and do things like partake of communion, we engage in physical reminders that we all need Jesus. Finally, we need to be in God's Word. In it are stories like the prodigal son, a story of someone who acted on his wants, and even in that selfish, sinful want to venture from the Father, the Father was forgiving and gracious. This gives perspective to our wants, allowing us to see that God has already found a way to deal with our sin and give us hope as we sojourn on in the dailiness of our routines. That's particularly effective for me as a perfectionist, wanting to always get things right and being disappointed when I can't want things in the right way. But knowing that God ultimately is forgiving and allows us to mess up just so that we can see, again, how much we need Him, that is such a great thing. Father, help us to see that You are our great shepherd. Lord, You know exactly what we want. We confess, Lord, that in our sin and in our flesh, we often want for the wrong things. But God, you give us help. You have redeemed us through Jesus Christ. You have given us the Holy Spirit as our guide as we work out our salvation here on this earth. Help us to see, Father, that one day our wants and our desires will ultimately be fulfilled and satisfied with the return of Jesus Christ. But until that day, help us to have faith, Lord, that we can be okay to admit our wants and to bring them before you, knowing, God, that you ultimately are trustworthy. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this desire to want different things because it reminds us of the greater desire that we are to have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Life as He Reveals podcast. For more episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find me on my website, lifeasherevealscom